Close Counters from Tasmania with Fire Dance. It's 10 past 10 on Mornings with Bridie Tanner, which means it's time for... Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies on Mornings with Bridie Tanner, featuring Jack and Andre. <laughs> FBI Radio. That's right. Movies, movies, movies. Welcome, Jack and Andre. <laughs> happy Monday morning. Happy Monday morning. Hello. Hello. And happy World Salt Awareness Week, day one to both of <laughs> you. <laughs> really? That's yes. a thing? Whoa. Okay, what are we aware of? Well, aware of salt, mm. consumption, mm. production, history. Love that. I What's feel your like... favourite salt, Himalayan or Murray River Darling Basin? Obviously, Murray River. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Like... They're both pink. They get confused. <laughs> that's true. Anyway, that's what the week's about, and it's good that you're here to discuss movies, 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 because I can't possibly talk about salt anymore than I have already <laughs> today. <laughs> I feel like film stocks made of salt something. Yeah, Who probably. Knows? That's why it's so flammable. Oof. <laughs> Um, good tie-in. I wish I knew that before. Oh, my God. Um, so, what's on the show today? So, we've got a few Ooh. things on the show today. It's a bit of a controversial show today, I would say. I think we should get all of our Oscar buzz out of us quickly. It's been a week. We just mm. need to just, like, do a two-second recap. Yeah, we're going to do, like, a little bit of, like, oh, no, here comes the verbal diarrhea moment of yeah, Oscars. Yeah, I warned Jack about me throwing some Timothy Chalamet shade. Glad that didn't happen. But, you know, all my support goes to him in his next film. You're still doing it. I'm still doing it. That, like, by omission. That's um, so true. We, we're going to have two reviews. We're going to review um, a Netflix film called Veronica, and we're also going to review a controversial Australian film, Kangaroo. Mm-hmm. And we're going to interview the two filmmakers. They're going to come in and be with us for the third part of our show. That's right. They're going to talk about their filmmaking, the documentary, what you need to know about Kangaroo and the meat industry, all coming up this episode. That is so exciting. Should we get into it with a bit of movie news? I think Absolutely. we have to. Absolutely. Movie news. That's a bit... So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> so first up, I want to shout out to Young Lee Chan's short film Asian Girl. It's premiering at South by Southwest Has right premiered. now. Has it premiered? I think it's premiered. Probably it's... like this second it's premiering right now. There's lots like... of weirdos at South by Southwest this year, and this looks like mm. a weird, like, Sydney dark film. It's about mm. um, a girl who works in, like, a, a factory, and then she starts getting haunted. It's only six minutes, but she starts getting haunted by an office worker next door. I've mm. only seen the trailer, but it's like... A black boiled egg gets peeled. It looks very stylish. I feel like the tagline is a movie about fear and food, which is just like the beautiful spectrum oh that we should make movies on. Exactly. It's mm. like a Nigella Lawson meets Korean horror. It mm. sounds just amazing. And then also she did the music video for Rainbow Chan's work, um, which is amazing and one of the best ever like local music videos mm. you can possibly see. Hongli so, Chan, Sydney filmmaker. Oh my God, on in the Austin, rise. Texas right now. We're going to have to have her on like eventually. In other news... Uh, as you would expect, Black Panther has uh, topped the $1 billion cha-ching mark worldwide. It has just grossed an amazing amount of money. It is only second... It's followed by A Wrinkle in Time, which is Ava DuVernay's film. This week, not like all time. This week, this week. My, my apologies. I'll give it a couple more days. Which makes it a beautiful record where, for the first time ever, the, the top two films in the world are made by black filmmakers. Um, $1 billion. It's now climbing the ranks and surpassing hits as... 
what's that really? Oh, Deadpool. It's gone past Deadpool, gone <laughs> past Wonder Woman. It's gone past Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. I feel like there's a Captain America in there somewhere. There's probably a Harry Potter coming up. Mm, poor Harry Potter. Do we know behind. where it's sitting at Yeah, the moment, I want to know where it's actually sitting record. right now. Look, honestly, we're going to check after like mm. the next song and then we'll come back and let you mm. know where Black Panther is exactly sitting. Mm-hmm. Answers, answers, answers on movies, 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 movies. I'm still listening to Ops. I don't know about you. It's like the Tokyo Drift of my year. You have to. It's such a good song. Archie Comics is going Bollywood. I don't know if you're a Riverdale fan. Yeah, does anyone know what yeah, Archie what, Comics and is? And what does that mean? <laughs> oh my god, okay, we have been asking the same question. I am a self-confessed, self-professed Riverdale fan and I absolutely love what Netflix has done with the show and now Archie's world is going to Bollywood and being turned into a feature film. And Does anyone, like, love Archie Comics? Can you text in? I feel like Sabrina the Teenage Witch is also an Archie Comics mm. like character and for it to go Bollywood... I read some article that it's like basically just because it's a dude who has chicks that love him and that's why it's going to go well in Bollywood because it's like that dynamic. 0409-945-945 is the number you can get in touch with us mm. on for Movies, Movies, Movies. Now, last week you came in was during the Oscars yeah. and we were so excited to get into all the obvious wins and the shocks of the Oscars. Can mm. you tell us a little bit about that? Jackie, you go first because I will ramble about a fantastic woman. I'm still I know, up I'm about like, it. Oh, all I'm thinking about is a fantastic woman. Woman. That's the only so shock for me. I didn't think it was going to win, and it won, and I wanted it to win. Mm. Everything else was like, okay, good on you. The biggest surprise was Viola Davis's amazing dress, and like her coming out to Quincy Jones from Austin Powers was and kind of an iconic And the best surprise dress moment. was Tiffany Haddish recycling her white dress that she's worn to three award ceremonies now. Amazing job. And it- the internet wants Tiffany and Maya Rudolph to host. Next, next year. What were we going to say? I was going to say is that recycling the dress a statement about fast fashion or anything like that. I think it's a statement about how great she looked and <laughs> how amazing the presenter Just, she like, is. run with something if it works. Also because she was touted to... Touted? She was uh, assumed to be nominated for an award for Girls Trip, and she wasn't. So I feel like maybe she just thought, you know what, I'm not even going to put on a new garment for the Oscars. I'm just going to crack out the old one and show them how it's done. But obviously the internet's been abuzz with what is an inclusion writer, which was the end of um, Frances McDormand's speech, where she said two words inclusion writer and basically it's every single contract that you sign should have an inclusion writer that makes sure that the cast and crew are diverse Mm. like at least 50 there's quotas involved it basically allows really high profile actors to say I'm not going to be in your film unless you have a diverse cast and crew and the first high profile actor to do it is Michael B. Jordan's production company and Michael B. Jordan was the villain in Black Panther who like still makes me shake when you think about when he took off his shirt Mm. Um, so Exciting times ahead. Exciting times ahead. Um, uh, what? Low-key, the Obamas are starting a Netflix TV show. I didn't want to just uh, scare away from that. And uh, it's going to not be anything to do with the current administration. I mean, I'm sure it will allude to Trump, but uh, for all we know at the moment is that it's just going to be inspirational stories, that there might be a bit of an Oprah tinge to it. But, for um, anyone who wants to get up close and personal with the Obamas, the best thing you can do is find yourself a VR headset and watch Obama in VR. You realise that he's actually not as tall as you thought he was going to be. Is that a and real you're thing? Like, yeah, you're Does sitting right next to him. You're like, he's like breathing into your face. You're in the White House. It's oh, really emotional. I want Barack to breathe my face. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, we're going to come back and talk, do the two reviews in just a second. Uh, let's take a listen to Rainbow Chan's work and you can check out Hyung Lee's work on the music video for this song if you head to the program page. We'll have a link up in the playlist. FBIRadio.com is where to head. Just click on Mornings with Bridie Tenor. This is Movies, Movies, Movies.
Rainbow Chan with work. You're listening to Movies, Movies, Movies. It's time for two reviews. Two reviews. One review. And then and then another review. Two reviews. reviews by Jack and Andre, our film lords. We had a text in from Rory who said he's taking these movie reviews with a grain of salt. (laughs) Very appropriate. As a throwback to our earlier discussion of Salt Awareness Week. Jack, you are going to be reviewing Veronica, apparently the scariest movie ever released on Netflix. And Andre, you're doing Kangaroo. That's right. Who we have the filmmakers for in the building. Love, hate story. Mm. So should we get started with Veronica? Absolutely. Um, Take it away. I'm going to take it away. Um, Two films have come out this week, uh, two horror films that are based on true events. One is the Australian-made Winchester, which is out in cinemas probably only until, like, Wednesday or Thursday because it suffered from horrible reviews. And the other is Veronica, which is a Spanish possession film billed as the scariest movie to ever be on Netflix. So scary that most people don't even finish. They just stop halfway. Where Winchester has, like, a badass central figure in the shape of Helen Mirren who can't stop building her enormous Californian mansion via nighttime seances with the spirits of people killed by the Winchester rifle, which is the first semi-automatic weapon that her family, family business still produced, which is still true... It's like it's got a sick, timeless message of unrelenting capitalism in the face of clear moral outrage that seems timely and important in relation to gun control and like actual bone-chilling scares. Veronica just feels like a good synopsis. The film cobbles together tropes and cliches that all sound great in a review like this. Like it's set in 1991. There's a blind nun who can speak to the dead. There's a solar eclipse that releases a demon. There's gorgeous vintage wallpaper, psychic TV sets and toys, a cute kid with glasses that magnify his eyes. There's this demon that looks like an alien halfway between Pan's Labyrinth, like the hand-eye dude, and Bjork's Black Lake. Teenage girls around a Ouija board, flickering lights, graphic matches, a faux 80s synth score. Pretty much everything a film student would write on a whiteboard when coming up with a hot new horror film blockbuster but the scares are boring and it's altogether way too well made to feel any kind of actual drama for the actors it never feels like their catering truck is too far away it's a shame because the director made wreck which is this like spanish found footage movie about quarantining an apartment for a zombie virus that's genuinely terrifying and loose and intense and i feel like horror movies work well when the production itself feels like it could spiral out of control at any minute like wolf creek blair witch texas chainsaw massacre Or if it's going to be high production value, it needs to feel like it's about something in some crazy location that justifies it or even just like super clever like Scream, Don't Breathe, Sinister or The Grudge. Maybe people don't finish Veronica because it's boring. P.S. Go watch Winchester, seriously. The reason it has bad reviews is probably to do with the NRA. It is a deeply feminist text. Ange, did you finish Veronica? Phew, JB, firstly, great review, cracker. I did finish it. Let me just say, though, don't put a thriller or a horror movie thriller on Netflix because you need to be in a cinema where it's you can't true. escape. Otherwise, you're just going to press pause. You're going to stop. You're going to get bored. You're going to lag. Don't put something that requires your attention on Netflix because you'll never get through it. Uh, no, I didn't. Re- I did not enjoy this film. I thought it was... Uh, uh, I mean, just overrated, overhyped. Uh, I didn't feel like I had the right scares. You know, last year was the 20th anniversary of Scream being released. Uh, I'm still riding that wave. It's a very emotional time for me. And I just feel like the horror movies of this day and age need to really be there. And this movie wasn't there for me. It wasn't there for me. R.I.P. Wes Craven. Yeah. Jack, Andre, Veronica in a word. Ugh, lacklustre. Netflix. It's just so Netflix. (laughs) It's too chilled. It's too chilled. Okay, Andre, let's hear your review now for two reviews of Kangaroo. So Kangaroo is uh, 
the new documentary to be released this week in the sea of animal documentaries that have come out in the past few years. We're talking your Blackfish, your Cove, your Werner Herzog stint. Kangaroo, a love-hate story, is a triple threat interview of dog, fly-on-the-wall look at how kangaroos, Australia's, in quotation marks, national emblem, are treated in the meat industry. The approach is this. Australians love the kangaroo. They stick it on sports jerseys, brand labels and iconic burgers. But the way the meat industry treats them is just totally horrendous. And the movie explains and lets viewers see how they're really treated. Guess what? It's brutal and horrific. Kangaroos aren't farmed, so shooters pretty much get this strange freedom to just wolf creak the fuck out of the animal. Directors Michael McIntyre and Kate M. Clare gather footage from around the world and from a multitude of people. feels like a hundred people that are just talking about kangaroos. But they also keep the documentary to the Australian bush. And the majority of the film is bent on shock when shooters are interviewed about the PTSD of killing kangaroos. And it's just honestly devastating to hear. Trigger warning for the squirmish listeners. Some people actually kill kangaroos with their joys still in their pouch. And sometimes the baby kangaroos get thrown onto barbed wire for what seems like no apparent reason. All this is filmed in this like really clear way, and the documentary just becomes this jam-packed, effective, totally you know crazy exploration of this industry that we don't really know much about, and proves all my kangaroo meat misconceptions wrong. I mean, this isn't a nuanced take on the meat industry or even a poetic one. It's just really brutal. It's a punch in the gut and let it bruise film about kangaroo killing. Kangaroo in a word? Oh, uh, devastating. Slasher. Mm, it comes out March 15. Catch it if you can. It's got a small release, but it's... Uh, if you don't want to see people with, like, wire cutters cutting up kangaroos, like, don't go. But also, like, don't ever eat kangaroo meat and don't listen to anyone who says you should. Mm. Well, luckily for the listener who might be interested in the kangaroo meat industry, we have the filmmakers here in mm. the st- at the station for an interview, which is coming up next. So we can all find out a little bit more about the kangaroo meat is- industry, which I Excellent. also thought was the most ethical, ethical meat you could humane, buy. Kangaroos are pests. Mm. So it's also full of salmonella. Mm. Oh, so much to talk about. I'm so I was so confused I'm so about kangaroo. I'm indoctrinated, but I'm down. I'm ready for the ride. I'm also decolonizing myself. Well, thank you for your two reviews, Jack and Andre. We'll be back with more movies, movies, movies after this song from Negative Gen- uh, Bad Baby. This is negative. Bad, yeah. No, it's Negative Gemini, and the song is Bad Baby. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it in. You're on FBI Radio.
listening to Mornings with Bridie Tanner. We are in the thick of movies, movies, movies. We just heard two reviews, one of which was for the 2018 documentary Kangaroo. Now joining me, Jack and Andre, the film lords in the studio, are the filmmakers, Kate McIntyre, Claire and Mick McIntyre. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks, Thanks for having us. No worries at all. So let's dive in. Let's dive right into it. So I guess opening question, uh, it's called Kangaroo, a love-hate story. Do you want to break that down for us and what the film's about? Yeah, well, look, we were surprised. We, we know that it's one of the most recognisable icons in the world, both here in Australia and everywhere. And what we didn't know, we found out when we started this movie, was just how they're treated in Australia and how none of us really know what's going on. We sort of assume someone's looking after our wildlife. We assume they're protected. We assume they're looked after. We assume it's all kosher. But what we found was far from that. So we spent the last four years travelling around Australia, um, interviewing over 100 people and really trying to delve into the issue and find out um, what's going on with kangaroos in in this country. And, yeah, we were shocked. So um, I guess I wanted to ask, what are the biggest misconceptions about kangaroo and kangaroo meat? Well, one of the the biggest misconceptions is that it's a um, that, that it's being labelled as as clean and green. We we were shocked to find out that um, contamination of kangaroo meat is unavoidable. We found um, that there had been testing done of kangaroo meat and found that it was uh, in uh, contaminated with E. coli and salmonella. And this was because this is a wild animal shot in the wild. It's not farmed. It's it's mm. it's taken from the wild and it's butchered in the wild. And so uh, there's contamination issues about kangaroo meat. So in fact, uh, one of the shooters rang us up to tell us how concerned he was that now they're shooting in the hot summer nights. The kangaroos are bouncing around on the back of a truck for hours sometimes between shoots, and they don't get to refrigeration until the morning. That's so shocking. So something that I've heard about kangaroo meat is that the reason that people maybe find it more ethical is that shooters need to shoot it in the head for it to be collected for meat. Now, does that in your mind necessarily make it a more ethical meat in that the animal isn't going through... Uh, a lifetime of living in a farm well, environment. Thank, well, thanks for that question because it's a great lead into our next issue, and that is the cruelty. Um, in fact, we uncovered a government report from 2014 that investigated the killing of kangaroos in Australia, and it, it outlined the cruelty involved in killing kangaroos. Yeah, I mean, we were surprised. I mean, yes, that can happen. This car's going along at you know 200 yards away from the kangaroo at night so it can get shot in the in the head as you said but often what happens is it's hard to do that it's hard to know if you're shooting a male or female and then once say a female is shot then the baby joey is hauled from the pouch both the back legs and its head smashed on a bull bar and even the uh, or the head stomped on or worse still i think in a way is that a baby the baby joeys that can still walk they they jump off into the night and they're just left to die so this this is from a government report. This is and and also we had uh, reformed uh, ex shooters tell us exactly the same thing that the 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 code of practice of of shooting in the head uh, isn't always the case. So it's we difficult. Un- it's yeah. difficult, and so we we did uncover the cruelty involved. Can I ask you? Yeah, no, you go for it. Um, in the film, you made some really interesting links to colonisation and early practices of like land clearing and like how they used to put sort of four mile fences up and herd kangaroos into one place. Um, and there is a really interesting part, I think, with one of the shooters or one of the farmers who grazes, who says that he's a fourth generation Australian and he has like a huge connection to the land. Like, can you talk a little bit about colonisation and this practice? Yeah, we found it. I mean, I'm a proud Australian. I love this country, but I found it fascinating travelling throughout the country 
how much kangaroos are uh, perceived to be something that has to be dealt with, you know, controlled and killed. And so we wanted to know where that came from. Why why aren't they more appreciated? You know, we, we're happy to love them when we cheer on the socceroos but, or fly on the Qantas airline with the tail and the kangaroo on the tail, but why are they so maligned? And so we had to, we had to dive into that, didn't we? And yeah, well, I think, you know, the two words that people say are pest and plague, and both these are really negative terms for yeah. our national icon. I had a question I wanted to ask. I feel like, not to stereotype, but the majority of people who come up with these misconceptions are young people. And I noticed that in the film there are a lot of, I would say, older people being interviewed. I wouldn't say there's much of a younger generation perspective on the kangaroo meat industry. But yeah. What do we ha- help us? How are yeah, we well supposed that, to better a, our ways? That's a great question because I think the kangaroo has been let down by Australian civil society. I think it's it, it doesn't have a voice. It's like it's been just accepted that it's a problem to be dealt with. There's not this voice out there that perhaps challenges that perception. And so, yeah, I think the young people have a role in that. Mm. Um, I think, I think you know, we were talking to um, scientists and experts at universities and things, and that's just the people who we found in the film. But I think it's a really strong position now for Australians moving forward, and young people in particular. You know, what do we want to do? Because we've just lived it this way for you know a couple of hundred years. Do we want that to be the same? Do we want that to change? How do we want to go into the future with our native wildlife? It is wildlife. It is ours. It makes our country different. Mm. You know, we're proud. We want to have a. You know, we we all really love the kangaroo symbol. So you know, what do we want to go forward? with. And I guess one of my favourite quotes in the film was from Terry Irwin and she basically said, investigate investigate what you're buying and if it's unethical don't buy it. Yeah, I guess people have that choice. I mean, I think we urge people to see the film. We spent four years putting it together. We feel that we've covered the issue. Um, we feel like we've given everyone the opportunity to say their say their piece in the film and we really urge people to see it because it is a it is a complex issue, but it is our national icon that that we are you know mostly proud of. But is this how we wanting to be want to be treating it in the in this twenty first century? I want to squeeze this question in. There's some really horrendous footage in the film, but um, I guess uh, is it something that people should be triggered by or? be, you know, sort of exposed? Yeah. Like, Look, I mean... the film is uncomfortable and the the issue is uncomfortable and it's really uncomfortable for kangaroos at night being shot. So I think that people front up and, you know, be strong and <laughs> come and see the uh, the film at the New- Dendy Newtown this week, starts Thursday, mm-hmm. and just see for yourself, like, what goes on and what are you willing to live with? And, you know, how do you want to sit with that information? I mean, as filmmakers, it's been an uncomfortable film to make and yeah. I feel like we've <laughs> we've been true to our art. We've put that uncomfortableness in the film I've got to say not to turn people off completely there are yeah. we, we are very proud of some of the beautiful images that we we got some amazing drone footage of these amazing animals that stand over two meters tall and it's been one of the great wildlife experiences of my life filming them so there are you know mm. it does have it does have mm. other things and just and also other. we wanted to put everyone in the film like we've got shooters and farmers and industry and everybody else in the film too so for those people who want the all-out you know view of what's going on in Australia it's in the film so come and hear from the farmers hear from the industry hear from the wildlife carers you know get a sense of the whole picture um, if you want to go see kangaroos put on the same level as 
Seal Babies Getting Clubbed and The Whaling Industry. Go to Dendi on Thursday night. It's showing a couple of times a day. Um, Organise, get your friends there. And Dendi Newtown. Dendi Newtown. It's a beautiful film. It's really powerful and really effective. And something we should be talking about. We'll get those details for you where you can go see Kangaroo, the documentary, up on the program page. Go to fbiradio.com and click on Mornings with Bridie Tenner. Thank you so much to Kate McIntyre, Claire and Mick McIntyre for coming in and talking about your film Kangaroo. And thank you so much to Jack and Andre for bringing in another fantastic movies, movies, movies today. I wish you all a very happy Salt Awareness Week. Here is Joe Joe Carey with Glow Now. Have a good day, everyone. See ya. Who knew Salt Awareness Week? Salt Awareness. <laughs> this podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com/podcasts.